In this week's Faith in Context segment, we are going to be talking about church hurt. And then we're going to continue with our relationship segment, talking about how to repair after a fight. You came, you're here. Now let's talk about it. Well, hello there. Yo. It's time for another episode of Let's Talk About It, where we talk about it. This is it. Michael Morgan. <laughs> Just a general it. And I'm Micah Morgan. How are you doing, Malcolm? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I never get asked on this podcast. Oh, doing... cheese and rice. Oh, my God. Thank okay. you so much. So much. Well, I'm glad to have contributed to your joy today. <laughs> How are you doing, my love? <laughs> oh, you know, making it. Step by step, day by day. That's a song. You thinking of a uh, was it? What is it? Full House. I was thinking about the Whitney Houston song. Mm, wow, those were two very different cultural experiences. There, they weren't <laughs> very much so. <laughs> My bad. Um, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Absolutely nothing. We got some heavy hitting topics on the show. First, we're going to talk about church hurt. Yeah, you know, just. <laughs> Just give it a, a nice, neat, succinct, yeah. just talk about the whole we'll get, thing we'll, in 15 We're, we're going to solve church hurt in we're this week's episode. We're going to fix it for you guys. So you're welcome, <laughs> world. And then we're going to talk about how to repair after a fight. Something that we've gotten okay at. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're 100% because we're still together. So maybe we're perfect at it. No, no, that's not an indicator. Repa- repairing after the fight. If you, if there's you a fight, whole lot of folks still together. And we didn't. And we haven't like stopped recording the podcast, like had to take a break. Okay, yeah. And we still talk to each other. We still love each other. We so, do. Sounds like we're 100%. So looks like we're experts on this. Okay, yep. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Lord help us. Or help me, whoever. Um, so let's start, let's start with church hurt. Man. Um, man. <laughs> Where do we start with this, Micah? Where <sighs> in the world do we start? Well, you know, I think. First off, we are both healing from church hurt. I mean, that's just, you know, put that out there. Mm-hmm. So our listeners aren't like, what do they know about it? It's like, yeah, we've, uh, you know, we've gone through a little bit of it. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Um, but I think if we were to begin this conversation, it might be good to start off with just kind of talking about the relationship between the church, like, mm the church lower c church like your your local church the leadership there the lay leaders the paid leaders and their relationship with the members yeah um and to just say out loud that what is happening there is something very intimate Mm -hmm. like people are essentially coming to they've they've committed to come to this building um or you know if it's online or whatever, they've made this commitment to gather with these people yeah. on a regular basis to explore their faith, which I, I think folks may forget that that's pretty intimate. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying to someone, I'm going to trust you with this very vulnerable task of me figuring out like what or who God is mm-hmm. in my relationship with God. And I'm going to trust you with helping me with that. Yeah. 
Um, so for me, when I begin this church hurt conversation, I start there and just kind of realizing like, this is like, you're not going to work. You're not going to school. This is, this is pretty vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, it's a very personal, I mean, mm-hmm. when you choose what church you go to, you're choosing hopefully a church that you identify with. And right. if you continue going there, start building relationships, it starts becoming a part of you. It's not mm-hmm. just something you do on Sunday. It's something that it's a part of everyday life. The relationships extend far beyond what happens on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so when there are instances where people are hurt in the church and experience church hurt, um, it's a very personal thing. It's not something that could just be isolated. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I want to lean into something you just said, which is that the relationships extend beyond just like what you do every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that that is the case. Yes. Right. So I think that that's like, that is where the church hurt happens Mm. is we start off talking about the context, which is that this is a very intimate, personal relationship between church member and church member and then Mm. church members in leadership. Yeah. But that there's also a set of expectations that people Mm. walk into a relationship with the church you know, carrying that yeah. that these relationships will extend beyond, you know, the uh, you know, the weekly worship service mm-hmm. that if I am experiencing doubt or if I'm experiencing very strong negative emotions that mm-hmm. I'm not going to be cast aside or ostracized by my leadership. Like there there are a certain set of expectations that are different for the church yeah. that one wouldn't necessarily have for their workplace, for example. Right. Um, so. In your mind, just like, what are some other expectations that you think folks or even or even you have walked into a church with when you think about like, okay, this is what I, that, this is what I want from my church leaders, mm-hmm. from my fellow church members. What do you think? I think a pretty, I don't want to say widely held, but I see it commonly come up in conversation is mm-hmm. people believe that their church leaders and that their yeah their church leadership values what they have to say Mm, mm. Um, and I think anybody that goes to a church you hope that you have some sort of voice maybe you're not in leadership but if you bring you know an issue that you see or a concern that you have or a ministry opportunity or whatever that your voice and your and your input will be taken seriously and considered wow and I think that's you know kind of flipping the question over when we look at issues of church hurt that's a common thing that can happen if you don't Mm -hmm. feel like you have a voice Mm -hmm. and you don't feel like people are listening to you i think everybody wants to be heard yeah and i think the expectation is that of all places right that it would be the church where you are heard right yeah and it's easy to kind of get being a person that's in church leadership it's easy to get into a vacuum of just listening to either yourself or the people that are in your leadership circle. Right, right. Um, and so it can become kind of an echo chamber where you're just kind of repeating the same ideas and doing the same things. And some fresh ideas could be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people, when they join a church, try to find what, what, what do I bring to the table to this church? Mm, Not yeah. just what does the church bring to me, but what, and so they want, Whatever they have, whatever their passion is, whatever their heart is, they want to add that to the DNA because a church is a church DNA is a combination of everybody, leaders, right, right. lay people, everybody. And so I think every every person at some level comes to a church saying, what can I contribute and how can what I'm passionate about passionate about become a part of the DNA of this church? Yeah. Yeah. How can how can that be meaningful? Mm hmm. 
Yeah, and I think there's this inherent expectation that, like, my dignity is enough for me Mm, to matter. Like, just the fact that I bear the image of God along with everyone else in this room should be enough. Mm -hmm. Whereas, out in the secular world, that's not necessarily the case. Your value is very closely tied to your skills or your talents or the amount of knowledge that you bring into a space. Mm -hmm. But I think folks enter a church thinking that like, no, like here I should just matter just because. Um, and so I think another expectation is, um, goodness, like when we think about a lot of the issues that folks are bringing with them, Mm -hmm. ranging from relational issues to, you know, issues with, you know, work, stress at work or Mm. mental health issues or whatever it is, there's the expectation that I can come into this building or come and gather with these people and and be able to share those things without being kind of cast out or or judged. Um, And again, there's my, my hope would be that there's a contrast, you know, where if you go into a workplace or a school, you have to kind of, you know, tidy up and be professional and kind of hide those things. But I think folks really expect it to be different when they yeah. walk into their church. They want to be able to say, like, this is my authentic self. And I expect you all to to love me because I'm a part of this church body. Yeah, I think it's it goes back to this idea that I've heard a lot growing up at churches hospital is or a church isn't a, mm. a a home for people that are well it's a hospital for sick people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know people aren't coming here completely whole completely put together completely ready we come into this place to heal together yeah um and you know jesus is the almighty doctor yeah you know? yeah and i think yeah I, I i think if you were to like kind of coalesce all these things we talked about it would go back to something that you talked about earlier and it's dignity we all hold the mm-hmm. church to a higher standard that if we come to this place of all places, my me- my needs should be met here yeah. emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever in this place, not my job, not out in other social clubs, but in this place, exactly. I should at least be able to be seen, heard, understood, allowed room to fail, all of those mm-hmm. things. And mm-hmm. I think that's where we where a lot of church hurt comes from is that not being treated with that dignity mm-hmm. and not being given space to be an imperfect person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, in addition to, or maybe even kind of like a, a subtext under that dignity title is the idea that there won't be exploitation mm, Yeah, because out in society, this very <laughs> capitalist society that we have, that is the, the meat and and bones of everything that we do yeah. is you figure out how you can exploit someone or something mm-hmm. to get what you need out of it. And so I think folks come into the church and they're saying they're expecting that like, goodness, like of all places, yeah. I just want to have value beyond what I can offer. Yeah. And I want to be able to trust that the leadership here will not siphon me for what yeah. they can get out of me mm-hmm. and then throw me away like every other capitalist, you know, institution outside of the church does. Yeah. Um, and that can be really, really disheartening when folks do experience that. Um, like you said, I think that when that expectation is, is broken or, or violated, um, that is essentially where the church hurt is yeah. is often coming from. Yeah. Um, so I I know for me one thing that 
um, I think is helpful is kind of putting as best as we can a definition mm-hmm. onto church hurt. Cause we've kind of started off talking about like what happens in the church. What is the expectation, like this, the web of expectations that a lot of folks walk into the church with, mm-hmm. but then like, how would we even define church hurt in and of itself? Um, and I know like there's a whole bunch of definitions floating out there, but there's a um, a woman named Allison Cook, Dr. Cook, who wrote, a, I think, a really helpful article called Church Hurt and Four Steps for Healing mm-hmm. that I often reference. Um, but she has this this kind of definition where she talks about church hurt is the result of an abuse of power. Yeah. And she outlines the fact that because there are these expectations and a series of influence and kind of power that church leadership has over people in the church, when they abuse that power that they have, or if they, you know, basically consistently step outside of those expectations that folks have of how they're going to use their power, Mm -hmm. then that is when church hurt actually happens. And I think that's very helpful for me because some people will get into kind of a a war on terms like well this is this is church hurt and that's not church hurt um but when you begin kind of thinking about it in terms of power and influence i think it's really helpful because then you start to say okay church hurt is resulting from someone misusing what god gave them they're misusing the power and the influence that God gave them. And then also the power and influence that I trusted them with when I walked into this building. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. It's, I think another, another aspect we don't think about, I think we always think of abusive, abusive power as something way more, um, like insidious, like it's forceful and intentional, but sometimes abuse of power is not using it to protect somebody. Yes, yeah. And that's the conversation I had with a, a friend of that's a pastor of mine. We were kind of talking about multiracial church and how do we do that well? And I said, one thing that I've experienced, and I think we don't think about as leaders all the time, is how do we protect the people in our congregation, whether they're leaders or whether they're just lay members? Mm-hmm. How do we protect them when they're, when other people can look at them negatively. Like if a a high maintenance person, we've talked about difficult Mm -hmm, people on this podcast. mm -hmm. Those are the people that need to be protected Protected, because it's really easy for them to get ostracized and end up on the outskirts and the fringes of your church, not really in community because Mm -hmm. they're seen as difficult and hard to deal with. Oh, they're needy. They have a lot of requests. Those are the people that really need our protection as leaders. And that's an abuse of power that we don't always actively think of that. We, how are we using our power to protect and, power being influence as mm-hmm. well, but how are we using our power and influence to protect these people that may be marginalized and may not be able to really protect themselves in a church space? Yeah. Yeah. And I think alongside of the protection piece, there's the question of how are we hospitable to yeah, these people? That's good. Um, because essentially God trusted the church with being a welcoming space mm-hmm for folks to nurture their relationship with God and to be an extension of Christ's likeness in the world. 
And so you as a church lead, well, really, you know, church leaders, lay leaders, or even like other members, mm-hmm. um, because what I don't want to do is to just say that like, oh, church hurt just happens between church member and church leader. Yeah, but a lot of it happens between members. Absolutely. And so there's this idea that we've all been trusted with being hospitable to one another. We all have that power. Um, and we all expect that of one another. Yeah. And when you have an experience where you are consistently excluded or you are consistently sent the message that you're not valuable mm-hmm. um, or, or when you're ex- exploited yeah. by your members, all of those things are a violation of of that power that you've been entrusted with to be hospitable mm-hmm. and to protect one another. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that is a really helpful way to just for me, just as in my own healing journey to just kind of understand, okay, what, like what exactly happened Mm -hmm. and why can I reasonably label that church hurt? Um, and the, I think the abuse of power piece really helps. Um, I mean, as, as we think about church as a community, it's important that as a community, we are a safe space for, for people that are mm -hmm. on the fringes. I mean, you look at Jesus's ministry and the gospels, it was all all about all of his interactions were with people that were on the margins yeah. that would be experiencing what we would see as church church. The church was not just a physical building, but mm-hmm. the church was the community. It was right. the city. It was right. homes. It was so people like the woman with the issue of blood mm-hmm. were experiencing church church because the church was like, you're dirty, you're unclean, you mm-hmm. can't be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus was all about mending those relationships, mending that community and healing people that were experiencing church hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And getting close. Yes. I think that's another, that's another thing that we've been trusted with is the idea that we're not going to, it's the expectation that the church is not going to push away people who are, you know, unseemly or just not, like you said, difficult people. Yeah. Right. But, but with Jesus, I love that story of the woman with the issue of blood because Jesus didn't, you know, react how most rabbis would have Mm -hmm. when this woman who had been deemed completely unclean by her community, her Jewish community, Mm -hmm. touched him. Yeah. But proximity was allowed. And so I think for a lot of folks who deal with church hurt, there has been the experience of them being ostracized Mm -hmm. or um, simple things like you're going through grief or you're going through like really stressful time at work and, and like no one reaches out to you. No one demonstrates that they care. That lack of proximity was very hurtful for them. Um, And it's because they, we've been trusted with the power to get proximate to one another because the Holy spirit really does embolden us to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times churches abuse that power. They don't, they don't walk in that power and that's how folks end up getting yeah. getting hurt i i i'm reminded of we were watching we've been watching the show the chosen oh, um which is really so good. good and so they do a, a depiction of the story of it was the lame man whose friends brought him down yes. through, through the ceiling and so they show this from every aspect where jesus is teaching in this in this man's house these people are trying to get their friend who is paralyzed to jesus mm-hmm. and then they're tearing up this man's roof to drop him down <laughs> into and the guy's like what are you doing to my roof like are you gonna fix my roof it back (laughs) and so i'm i'm using this example as a as a as an example of a difficult person these people who who 
brought their friend to Jesus mm. was somebody that had been ignored. He's probably been to doctors and after they couldn't do anything for him, it was just like, well, there's Lost nothing cause. you can do. You're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so they feel unheard, completely mm. discarded. Mm-hmm. And so they come to Jesus the only way that they see that they can. And that is to bust through this man's roof. <laughs> now, busting through somebody's roof is not the right way to do it. It's not. Let this just be yes. a metaphor. <laughs> it is not the right way to do that. But Jesus didn't even address it. No. Because he realized that this person is desperate to this point mm-hmm. that my friends are going to drop me through somebody's roof to Jesus on the off chance that he will heal me. Like in head, no appointment, no, no confirmation. Appointment. And so for me, yes, the desperation of the lame man is is just so poetic and speaks to me so deeply. But for me, it's the it's the friends. For yeah. Me. Yeah. Like that you would rip off somebody else's roof. Like um, just imagine in modern times you break into somebody's house. Now roofs are way more complex (laughs) now than that. It was just like straw and hay. hay. Now there's there's nails and and layers and wood Wood, and shingles. And oh, yeah. 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 So the the just the metaphor of their friends having so much commitment to their friend, yeah. this lame man, that they would risk property damage, charges being pressed, <laughs> you know, against them. Again, mm-hmm. I'm shifting the metaphor to present times. Mm-hmm. But but like that is the that is what I think folks walk into a church expecting yeah. that people will use their influence and their power yeah. to break through walls so that their friend will get healing. And when they don't see that happen. Yeah. Like when you can watch me walk into the church and weep during during worship every time and no one comes to ask what's going on Mm -hmm. like that hurts. Yeah. That you were willing to just let that wall stay there. Let the roof stay there. And you weren't willing to break through it just to ask me what's going on. Yep. Like that that's church hurt. And it's because there's this influence and this power that we have in this very intimate personal space. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we let each other down because we just kind of do the bare minimum or we say like, well, I'm just here to get, get mine and I'm not here to really offer anything to anyone else. Yeah. And, and we perhaps forget how that's influencing other people, how that's impacting other people. Yeah. Yeah. We can get really wrapped up in the, in the protocol of it all. Yeah. I think if you took, did this in a modern, whatever the modern equivalent would be for this, people would be like, well, you didn't come about this the right way. Let's talk about mm. this and let's make sure this doesn't happen again. Instead of, Okay, there's a paralyzed man here who needs ministry. Yeah, it's as simple as that. <laughs> he needed to get through the roof. Yeah. Right? And and yeah, I agree. Like, there's just... And I get... You know, I'm not anti-protocol, right. Right. you know, chaos, right. anarchy. Right? Protocol is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. But I think the expectation is that folks realize that in the church, we are here to get healed. Yeah. We are here to get free. Yeah. And that is the top priority and everything else comes second. Mm -hmm. And church hurt happens when we flip the script. When we say that there are things that are more important than your healing and your liberation. And we're going to do those things first. And if you happen to get healed and liberated, then yeah, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Um, But I think one thing we can't ignore is one of the most perhaps painful kinds of church hurt which results from the abuse of the power to shape one's to shape one's theology mm. and really what what that is is like folks come to the church essentially to get their their faith shaped mm-hmm. like they're coming with questions about god and about 
you know, their own identity and their dignity. And Mm -hmm. they are trusting leaders to interpret scripture in order to trust in in order to shape that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of times church hurt happens when there are just really problematic interpretations of scripture, oppressive interpretations. You know, I'm thinking about marginalized communities that have had scriptures interpreted in ways that say that their oppression is either you know, justified mm-hmm. or that they brought their oppression onto them. Can't help but to think about some problematic interpretations of like what scripture has to say about mental illness. Mm-hmm. Right. So like all of those things are under this umbrella of the abuse of one's power to, to, to shape like one's understanding of scripture. Yeah. I mean, people really come, a lot of people come to church with very little knowledge, study, mm-hmm. And so they're in a vulnerable vulnerable place of just being able, if you, a lot of leaders, if you just say anything, they'll just latch onto that. Yeah. Yeah. They'll just latch onto that. And so as, as people in leadership, it's important that we take that responsibility seriously and make sure that we're studied on what we're talking about. If there's a topic we're not an expert on. Pass the mic. Pass the mic. Like I, one thing I appreciate, appreciate about our pastor in our context is if there's something that he doesn't, he doesn't know the answer to, like. I've I've grown up in churches where the pastor is the chief counselor, so they're mm-hmm. doing all the marriage counseling, every counseling, and our pastor would be like, "I could get you to a point, but if it's some real issues, you need to go to a professional who's trained to do this." Yeah, yeah. and pastoral counseling and mental health counseling are, are two, two different very things. different things. Yeah, and so I think being able to understand what we don't know, mm-hmm. we don't have to mm-hmm. always give a definitive answer just to give a definitive answer because those definitive answers can crystallize and set in stone things in people's minds and hearts that we're not even really sure about. We're not even sure about. Yeah. And so I think, I think that brings us to perhaps one way to close out this segment mm-hmm. for today. Um, and I, I think I personally think this is going to be part one because you, you just can't talk about church in 20 minutes. But I, you know, I can't, I can't walk away from this conversation without acknowledging that everyone does have the capacity mm-hmm. to inflict church hurt onto someone else. Absolutely. And for me, that is, that's humbling for me. It it helps me to put into context the fact that I am a part of the web of influence and power within the church as a member and a lay leader, mm-hmm. but also just focusing on as a member. Yeah. That when folks interact with me, they have expectations of me as a fe- as a fellow member on how I'm going to use my influence and power to to participate in their healing and their in their liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's important to end there just so that because what I don't want to do is get into this like us versus them conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, look at all those leaders over there mm-hmm. who have been doing all the church hurt. And it's like, no, like we all, are, we we all, all can do it. Yeah. Like I said, the church is a. Is a is an extent is it, the DNA of a church is not just the leaders. Mm-hmm. Now the leaders may set the tone. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's their responsibility. I think to set the tone, mm-hmm. but and, we participate, and, in but it. we also participate in it. And mm-hmm. um, whether you're a lay person, a leader, a lay leader, whatever paid staff, we all contribute to what makes a church, a church, mm-hmm. a church is an extension of all of our personalities and all the gifts and talents that we bring to the table. Yeah. So church, church is something that we can play squarely on leaders Mm-mm. it's something that we all take a part in and we all have to be cognizant of and be ready to a be welcoming be accepting mm-hmm. and extend grace where needed yeah yeah 
So it's gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like peel myself away from that conversation. <laughs> I wish I had a peel sound effect. Right. Just the sound of Velcro. Pulled. <laughs> um, cause it's something I am really passionate about, but we wanted to close today's episode with a conversation that when we were planning it, we were like, oh, this might be a little lighter and maybe not. We'll see. I don't know if I, I thought that. That is not. <laughs> okay, it was just me. We can have fun with this topic. We can have, but, let's try to have yes. fun with this. Um, but, but like, I am always humbled by when I'm in, because um, I'm, I'm a therapist. And so when I'm serving, count, couples counseling is my favorite mm-hmm. um, way to serve clients. And one of the most humbling things is watching a couple mend or repair after mm, a fight. Yeah. Like for me, that is just the fact that I'm trusted with seeing that in action, mm-hmm. I think is just so beautiful. Um, and so today I just wanted to just talk a little bit about this concept of repairing after a fight. And really what this comes from is Dr. John Gottman's work. Y'all, if you are just interested in like, healthy ways to have a marriage or any any romantic relationship i highly recommend dr john gottman's work that's pretty much what i use with my couples shameless plug um but but gottman has this concept of repairing after a fight and really what this is is this understanding that all couples are going to fight yeah right like no matter how long you've been together fighting does not go away and if you're not fighting that could mean that like not necessarily it's not necessarily a good thing. I think I heard someone say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher the quote," but they were like, um, "If we never fight, then that means one of us is ne- is not necessary." Mm. And I was like, "Oh." Well, I mean, when you put it that way, <laughs> but it's basically like you have different personalities, different needs, different desires. Um, so fighting is going to be a natural result of you just being two different people. Mm-hmm. But Gottman says that it's not eliminating fighting that's important, but it's learning how to repair after a fight yeah. that really forecasts the longevity of your relationship. If you're how well you're able to do that. Yeah, I I had not heard. I've, I've not been super familiar with. Gottman, but that's a very uh, astute observation, Mister Gottman. <laughs> um, I was sitting here thinking about there's a um, there's an episode of The Office, and it's in the later seasons where Jim and Pam have been married for a little bit, and they're having some difficulties communicating, mm. and so they stop fighting. He's like, I just don't want to fight anymore, and it mm. kind of gets back to the point that you said when they stop fighting is when they finally realize, okay, we actually have an issue that we need to get through. Yeah. Um, and so I think the a, a big a big thing that people try to do in relationships is avoid the fight. Like, mm. all right, let's uh, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay away from that. But so, a lot of times, fights are the response to real issues and real problems that oh, need yeah. to be addressed. Oh, They're yeah. not just oh somebody's just having a bad day. They just feel sometimes it's that, but most times there's a real thing that needs to be addressed. And yeah. usually it's one person that doesn't feel heard or seen mm-hmm. in a space, and it's important to be able to get to those arguments and get through those arguments through, yes 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 like the the idea is let's get to the repair yeah um or through to the to the repair yeah. um and so in in efforts to keep this a little light a little just a little <laughs> just a little um what are some ways that that i, I guess i want to talk about what are some ways we've observed that we end up <laughs> repairing after a fight you know just bring bring it down to bring it down to practical level all right y'all i'm gonna tell y'all something about my wife okay 
My wife we're is ready. a very emotionally labile person. She's <laughs> I'm emotionally she's, flexible. She's so loving and has such a big heart. But when she is upset, she doesn't really want to be soothed or caught, like loved on. I, I do make it difficult. Or yeah. like I know my, my my wife's love language. It is not the same when she's upset. <laughs> it's true. My wife's love love language is physical touch, and when she is upset, she doesn't want to be touched. She doesn't want to be Mm-mm. hugged. Mm-mm. It's like well, I don't know what to do then because. <laughs> but you actually do though. Oh, do I? Yeah. Oh. You don't notice. I I just need you to tell me. I don't like this game. Okay, y'all. So <laughs> Malcolm has become very. Uh, very skilled in observing that I need physical space. Yes. But what I've noticed though, is that you're really good at like, you'll look at me from across the room Mm -hmm. and you'll do this little smile that, you know, I can't not smile back at. And it gets me every time. And part of me is a little upset that you do that because you know, I still want to be mad, (laughs) (laughs) but you still do it. And for me, like that's, that is a, I think that's so help. That's such a helpful way to repair for me because that shows that you still want to be proximate. Like, even if you're not able to get to me physically, that you'll you'll fight to get eye contact with me. Like you'll you'll stare in some cases, and I'll feel you stare. Definitely done that. that. (laughs) And I'll look over, and you're doing that little smile, and I like I can't. Well, this is a twofold thing. If you don't smile back, then I know she's mad at me. (laughs) Then I know. Okay. Let's, now we need to talk. Now we need to fix this. If she if she kind of smiles back at me, it's either she's upset with me, but it's cool, or she's upset about something else, and I'm good. Uh, <laughs> so it's twofold why that happens. But but that's like this is this is one of my favorite things to process with couples too mm-hmm. is that every repair language is not the same. Mm-hmm. Like when you spend time with someone, you begin to learn what are effective ways to repair with them mm-hmm. and, and what are ways that are not so effective. And a lot yeah. of times you learn by trial and error. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, but it took time for me and you to learn that like, Oh, you know, Micah doesn't really like to be, you know, physically proximate, mm-hmm. but making eye contact and connecting that way is a helpful way to repair. And I think what's helpful too, is knowing that the repair is actually a transition into kind of like closure. Yeah. So when you do whatever gesture it is, like some people have pet names that they call each other or they'll come and like they'll do a little dance across the room. Humor is a really popular way to yeah. repair. And whatever that repair is, it it moves you into a space where you can finally like get some closure. Mm-hmm. You're not emotionally escalated anymore. You're thinking clearly. You've reconnected with one another. Mm-hmm. And now you can say things like, baby, I just, you know, can you just do this? And then, like, the other person is more likely to be like, yes, I'm so sorry that I did X and Y. I'll do this from now on. Um, so the repair is really a tool. It's not the it's not the book end, but it's almost like an additional transition into yeah. the closure. Yeah. And I just, I'll let y'all know, if you try the joke and it doesn't work. It, it, you might need to go back might, to step B, which is to, a little bit more complex. Don't try. Don't keep trying. Yeah, don't don't don't, don't keep, keep trying. trying. <laughs> you might get hurt. <laughs> you might get hurt emotionally <laughs> or otherwise. But it's 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 reading it right. Yeah, like you have to read. Every it. situation is different. You yeah. can't. You can't. There is no cure all. And even you know this this conversation that we're having is just yet but a small part. 
right. of a, mar- a much larger things about understanding the person that you're with, whether mm-hmm. it's a romantic relationship or otherwise, and understanding how uh, you can deal with each other. When you, I mean, for me, I know I like to have a little, I need some like time and space. Like I'm mm-hmm. an internal processor. I need to like, and so sometimes it's frustrating for Micah because she wants the answer like right. She's like, well, why did, why yeah. did, why did this happen? And I'm, I'm very like, curious. I don't know. And then like two days later, I'll be like, you know what, boom? This is what I was feeling yesterday. <laughs> That's so accurate. And then she'll look at me. She's like, I'm so glad that you said that two days later. I wish it was two days ago. <laughs> And I'll be like, yeah, I feel bad about that, but I had no yeah. insight at all to give you then. Yeah, yeah. And I, for me, that's that's still like whenever it comes mm-hmm. because my, I don't know. I feel like a sixth love language needs to be added because mm. for me, like being able to immediacy, not immediacy. I don't even know what it would be called, but just this like intellectual intimacy like Mm. knowing your thoughts and your feeling like that when you trust me with that 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 feels like i'm on top of the mountain Mm -hmm. like i could be starving and you tell me like some things you were thinking about and i'm like "Hmm, i'm full now i'm fine so when you do offer those things after a fight and you've gotten some insight into like what was happening and how Mm -hmm. i can love you better that is it's just it's so it's more than enough for me Mm. Yeah, it's just some I'm not, and I'm not. It's like the thing I'm the worst at. It's literally the thing that I'm probably you've got. The worst you've gotten at. a lot better though. But I was pretty much at a zero before. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that. Okay, you guys, I would say that I was pretty much at a zero before. <laughs> so anything above a zero is <laughs> But I mean, yo, like couples. That that's really what romantic love. Well, I I wouldn't even limit it to that. Yeah. But any relationship, right? Like you begin to notice, okay, what does my partner need from me? Yeah. And you fight to offer that to yeah. them because you you're like, this is what they need. I'm going to try to give it to them. And so that that for me has been so beautiful to watch you just like work at that. Um, just because you know that that that's something that really makes me feel at home with you. Yeah. Well, thank you, boo. That makes me feel better <laughs> about where I am emotionally. I'm trying. I'm trying to learn and grow. But this conversation is not just about our relationship. It is not no. even about just the words that we shared in this 40 minute podcast. It is about the conversations that will spark out of this. Yes. And so we'd love to interact with you. Use the hashtag hashtag talk about it pod to let us know your thoughts about repairing after a fight. How do you do it? What ways could you get better? What tips do you have? We'd love to hear from you. And you can contact us directly on Twitter. I'm at Malcolm.media. Malcolm, D-O-T, media. And I'm at J. Marie Morgan. And we would love to hear from you. These conversations are so much bigger than the 40 minutes that we allot mm-hmm, for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd love for it to continue on social media and wherever you have these conversations. So... We did another thing. We did another (laughs) thing. We really appreciate you guys listening this week. This has been Malcolm Morgan. And Micah Morgan. And this is Let's Talk About It. We'll see you all next time.